Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Earl and Rena Philpot, John Goldfield, Michael Baker, Jade Oaks, Jeff Walling, and all of our Patreon supporters. And of course, you. Yes, you. I'm talking to you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Jamil, I really appreciate you taking some time to slum it on The Adventure Jogger. This is a big deal. Thanks for, for giving me an hour of your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be great. Um, do you know, by the way, I think you've officially made it and you are now what could be considered, quote, unquote, a celebrity. Were you aware of this? Uh, that's news to me. OK, Jamil, when you type in your name, first of all, if you get to if you type, you go to Google and type in Jamil, you know, J-A-M-I-L. And then you then you space and type C. You're the first name that pops up. And then Google has autofill suggestions for you, meaning Uh-oh. people are Googling you. Do you want to know real quick before we get into the real reason why you're here, Jamil, what the top five autofills for Jamil sure. Corey are? Let's hear it. All right. Number one, wife. People want to know who is your wife? Uh, well, I'm not married at the moment. <laughs> Never happened, but uh Yeah. <laughs> is that coming in the future or is this going to be a different answer that, that coming up? It maybe. Okay. All right. Okay, no pressure. No pressure. People All right. They're searching. They're searching for that. They want to know. Maybe they maybe they're curious like they're they're trying to find you on some sort of dating app or something and they wanted to see if it was real or not. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. The next one, Jamil, is Jamil Corey's age. Everybody wants to know what your age is. I think that's pretty, am I providing, I'm providing answers here for the world? Yeah, yeah, if you don't mind. Um, I'm 38. I think you can find that on Ultra Sign Up pretty easily, though. Okay, okay, but people are Googling that. People want to know how yep. old you are, Jamil. Um, Twitter, they want to know Jamil Curry's Twitter handle. What is what is that? It's just my name, at Jamil Curry. Okay, so people are Googling that. Pretty easy to find. You can just go to Twitter and search that. We've got two more. Uh, Jamil Curry Barkley. I think I don't know if people want to know if you're running Barkley again anytime soon or the location to book number one. It doesn't get they very wanna, specific. They want to know if I've finished it, which, of course, I haven't. But um, I think that I will I will go back if Laz will have me. Okay. All right. Good enough. Have you been putting in every every year for it? I do apply every year, yeah. All right. The final one, you do not have to answer this. And this is where I think you've made it. Because no no crap, Jamil. This was number five. 
Jamil Corey's net worth. People want to know oh, how yes. much. <laughs> Negative what? <laughs> <laughs> want to know where those race fees go to they're looking at those that's right, that's right. <laughs> well i wanted to have you on because first of all i don't know how you did it in basically three years time how in the heck did you create a race out of thin air that would turn into the premier 200 plus mile race in the world how in the heck did you make coca from thin air to the race everybody's talks about every year in may how the hell did you pull that off jameel well i mean it might seem like it's three years but it feels like it's 20 years of development like it feels everything we've done in aravipa everything i've done done in the sport has really led to cocodona i would Mm -hmm. say like there could be an argument for that just all of our experiences live streams everything we just kind of wanted to showcase and put everything into one event that was going to be something magical something life-changing for people and yeah it feels like we're well on our way to doing that especially this year for me it really kind of hit home that you know we're starting to hit our stride with it but yeah people are oddly obsessed with this event it's so crazy because honestly as as a podcaster jameel i can't remember the last time i have spent the last two years i've had two episodes dedicated to Cocodona the last two years um, because there's so many amazing stories that come out of Cocodona. I mean, I mean, look at Andrew Glaze, Andy Glaze running canyons and then hopping on a plane and running Cocodona. That was crazy. It's it's just so wild. I mean, there's so many, everyone has a great story mm-hmm. and that's what I think is so amazing about it. I mean, literally every single person that that toes the line. And I think it's tough that we can't tell all the stories, you know? Right. There are some incredible ones. For you as a race director, as you get more and more busy, because you're the CEO, you're the founder and CEO of Aravipa, which is growing at an exponential rate. And we'll talk about that in a minute because you're you're getting ready to to uh, I don't know if you're if you're taking uh, the old Oregon Trail, you're going backwards and you're going to have to ferry across the mighty Mississippi. I don't know how you're going to you're going to do that, but you are coming east and we'll we'll get to that uh, in a second. But is there a worry that Aravipa and Aravipa races get too big so you don't have the time anymore to give the personal touch to the athletes that are running your races? Well, I think it's I mean, I can't I can't personally provide that personal touch already mm-hmm. myself. Like yeah. I can't be at every race. I can't interact with every single runner that touches our events. And that's why it's important that our team does. And we have a, a team of race directors. We do our best to pick folks that that really care, that really understand what we're all about, which is caring deeply about the sport, yeah. the people that are in it and building that community wherever we go. And so that, that to me is key because um, I can't be everywhere at once. So much of Aravipa is, and, and I say this in the best way, so don't don't say I'm like, I'm, I'm saying you're all fluff, but the marketing of the events, you do a really good job 
of marketing your events and making them big. I look at the at the uh, just the marketing around Cocodona, for example. It has its own podcast. What are the race has its own podcast? So and just the videos. You you really do excel, and Era Viper really does excel at videos. I was talking to Andy Jones Wilkins. What was it probably? I talk to him all the time, so I can't. They all kind of blend together. But he was talking about jumping on the live stream at Black Canyon during the later parts of the race. Honestly, if you would have told me, Jamil, and I told Craig Thornley about this, we got an episode with Craig coming up. If you would have told me, hey, let's live stream these ultras. This is going to be something people are going to watch on YouTube. I would have said, you are nuts. There is no way people are going to want to tune in for 30 hours, but I would have been wrong. People are tuned in and they're riveted and they're watching these things for hours. Like, how did you, like, did you have that same thought of like, does anybody really want to watch this? I mean, I, I definitely question it sometimes. And I'm, I'm surprised, to be honest, at some of the viewership numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, some of those late night ones just at the finish line, like Andy Jones Wilkins was out there. I think they were hanging out at like 11 p.m. at the Black yeah. Canyon finish line. And yeah, they're not going to get the peak viewership then. But Cocodona this year was quite surprising. I mean, we had, I think, around 1,500 daily active viewers mm-hmm. throughout almost the entire business workday. Yeah. Just tuned in for the whole week. I mean, an entire week. We had 102 <laughs> hours of live coverage. <laughs> yeah which is bonkers. Um, and yeah, it, it does help make it worthwhile when there there's that many people that are wanting to watch this and tune in. It is crazy when you think about 1,500 people that weren't getting any work done for an entire week because they're watching the live, the live Sorry, stream employers. of Coca-Cola. <laughs> but no, is that, is that kind of your baby, the branding, the live streaming, the videos, the social media? Is that kind of, or do you have a team that kind of helps you execute that vision? I mean, I absolutely have a team and it's it's kind of a collaboration. I mean, I think it's it's a mix. I mean, definitely some of the ideas come from me, some come from our team as well. And, you know, I think I probably have the maybe the final say right now in, in what we do and go after. But I think part of it for me is like... I don't know. We don't crunch the numbers necessarily in mm. advance of doing this. We just love doing it. Yeah. And the challenge of it is something that drives us forward and that we think it's super cool helping to bring this imagery, these storylines, these events to the global audience or the national audience is something that we get excited about. Our team loves seeing what we can put together. How can we make it better every single time? And that's kind of what drives us on to to keep trying and doing this. But yeah, it's I don't know. It is pretty wild to think about. Oh yeah, let's let's live stream this six day race. Essentially, <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you keep your watch on? Because I I it was two years ago. I was at Western States waiting at Forest Hill for my runner, and uh, I saw you running up and down. Right, right in front of that street, that main street, right in front of, of, of Forest Hill there, just past the high school. You were running up and down that road for hours. Did you keep track of your mileage that day, Jamil? Yeah, I don't know. I've been to Western States a few times, so I don't know which year that was. But there was a year, I think it was 2017 maybe. And I, I think I ran 45 miles that day filming Western States. <laughs> (laughs) 
that's that's not easy because you're trying to get everyone in the shot you got equipment yeah i I mean but for me it's it's really enjoyable and it's a new challenge you know i mean i've run a lot of ultras but doing it with a camera in hand is something that uh i really enjoy doing Mm -hmm. all right jamil this this is the big reason why you're on your races have been arizona utah in Colorado. That has kind of been your basis of, of operations. And people, please go to eraviperunning.com because if I were to list all the races that Jamil has, this podcast would be five hours long. And we don't want to make Jamil wait for five hours. Um, go check out the website. There's a lot going on. You have decided to expand Aravipa across the mighty Mississippi, and you're bringing Aravipa running to the eastern united states yes okay how did that all come about because you're not busy enough you've got to add more to your plate yeah why not um yeah that i i feel like i've been toying around with the idea of what always what's next right Mm -hmm. um and so we have i think fans kind of across the country that run our events and you know they're constantly asking when are you guys going to come to, you know, such and such state? And so I've, I've been open to the idea in my mind, you know, what would that, what could that potentially look like? How might we do that? And, um, we got, we reached, we were contacted by Christina Fulsick of white mountain endurance, Mm -hmm. which is a small event series based in New Hampshire. Um, saying that she was interested in talking about, their events joining Aravipa. And so that kind of kicked off the the conversation. Um, it was just her reaching out basically. Yeah. Um, but she came out to Havelina this last year. And I think that um, ended up buying a house in the Phoenix area. So it's like splitting her time between Arizona and New Hampshire and just talking with her and with her partner, Rem, it, you know, a lot of this same shared values of, of events and community and everything that they're doing. And it just made, it made sense where for us to expand to a new market, a new area, I think joining forces with a series that was already in existence, I think makes a lot more sense than trying to start something from scratch. And I think they were looking for someone to help them. They were, their events have grown fairly quickly in the last few years as well. And I think they were feeling like they needed some additional support that I think were well positioned to provide and like taking a look at their events, you know, how can we improve them just from our knowledge base and things that we've done over the years and and how can we, you know, add value to the the East coast community out there. Okay. We'll talk about the value that you can bring. I want to know like, why, why would white mountain endurance, need to rebrand or or to enter the Aravipa family, what is it that Aravipa can give them that they can't get just doing it on their own? Um, I think we can provide some experience mm-hmm. just from, you know, I've been directing events for close to 15 years now. We have marketing, we have media, we have additional staffing and personnel and systems and processes in place that I think could benefit someone, you know, in her position. So what are some of the things that, and I don't want to, you don't get the special sauce for free here, folks. I'm sorry. You don't get your notepad out and say, okay, Jamil's going to tell us how to, how to race direct. But what are some of the things that you have found over 15 years of race directing that have helped you 
put on so many races? Like, is there a, what are the lessons that you've learned over 15 years you can pass on to a group like White Mountain? I mean, some of it's tangible, some of it's intangible, just seeing how they lay out and position their events. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely maybe a marketing and media perspective too. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of what I'm really excited about and our team's pretty excited about. You know, what can we bring to the table? You know, I mean, we can't, we're not going to live stream every race out there under the sun, but I think certain ones could be could be really fun. We're looking at like race. The cog could be a really cool event to live stream. Mm-hmm. It's relatively short and has a really fun element to it. Um, you know, not getting too much into specifics. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want people like <laughs> copying things all of a sudden. Oh, I heard on the adventure jogger. I thought I'd just steal all, all of Jamil's ideas. Now and you have having raced Barkley, you have spent plenty of time over here in the Eastern United States Give us kind of that your Jamil's eye view of the differences between the two regions. You know, you've got the Western United States with your big mountains. That's where all the pros seem to go other than Arlen Glick. He's not leaving Ohio. Um, But then you've got the Eastern United States, which is kind of known for being gritty with technical trails. Kind of what is Jamil's view of both sides of the states? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't raced everywhere. I've raced a handful of times more East coast. Um, I've raced not a lot in the Midwest. I need to, I need to branch out a little more. I need, mm-hmm. you know, I need a forgotten middle sometimes, you know, but yeah, I've raced in Tennessee. I've raced in Georgia, North Carolina. Um, I did a fat ass race up in New Hampshire a long time ago. Um, so my perspective, I mean, there's some, I think there's some great operators in the East coast. Um, I think there's some people doing some great stuff, but I don't know. It's tough. There's, you know, the, the classic kind of big mountain hundred milers out West that do seem to get a lot of the attention. I mean, the, the Western States ecosystem is definitely, I think a big piece of that. And, and Aravipa has surely benefited from that over the years, especially with the golden ticket series and Mm -hmm. things. Um, Not to say we haven't done a lot, I think to, give back to that series and and provide what we feel like is our piece of that if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like in terms of coverage and storytelling um but there's yeah i mean i think that the east coast is is gritty and beautiful and i mean there's probably some tougher there's tougher events on the east coast you would argue than than even on the west coast in certain areas maybe minus the altitude is Mm -hmm. the biggest difference do you think that this opportunity of you heading east and, and partnering with White Mountain Endurance, does this give you an opportunity to maybe shine a light on some of the stars of the sport over here that just don't get any attention because they're not running the big races with the cameras? I mean, I would sure hope so. And and it's not by any means taking away from anything that anyone's doing in terms right. of media on the yeah. East Coast, because I know there's... There's folks that are live streaming events. There yep. are all kinds of media and coverage. I mean, we do have a decent sized audience with Aravipa. So I think that is going to be one of our goals. How can we, you know, shine on these events on East Coast athletes on the scene uh, and even other events in the region? You know, we're not afraid to share our knowledge either with other events. Even we've helped cover other events as well. I, 
I came out here in 2015. I went to uh, Whiteface Sky Race and and filmed some of Ian's race out there, yeah. uh, which was a lot of fun too. You, did you have to think of of a way to do it first? Because I you think about so you ha- we all have cell phones, right? We all have cameras at all times, but like trying to figure out the technology of how to you've got a main headquarters like for western states you've got your main headquarters with the commentators and you got all these people running with cameras how did you like figure out just the technological aspect of getting all of these cameras in remote areas because here's the thing this is not like you're you're doing this in the middle of a big city where everyone's got five bars of coverage you're do- that must have been a huge obstacle to overcome, Jamil, figuring out how to get all of these little cameras all over the route connected to a headquarters. Yeah, and to me, that was one of the most exciting pieces is trying to solve that puzzle. I mean, there's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all solution out there. There's, of course, huge TV production, huge big-budget operations with seemingly unlimited budgets but that's not what we have to work with and what most race organizers would have to work with so we you know we start we've done several things over the years but um yeah what we've settled upon is i don't know it's uh it's a continual challenge that we're working on i guess did you have to prototype stuff were you thinking like early on before the big race the first race you're like listen guys we're gonna live stream this we're gonna live stream this race we're gonna have people out at aid stations we're gonna be running people in all that stuff did you have to like prototype some ideas for okay how do i make this work do i hook up a mobile modem or or something did you have to like run down the street in your neighborhood to see if you could get this thing to work yeah i mean we started our live stream journey kind of started with the desert solstice track race Mm -hmm. and that is a pretty contained area. So we're just on a high school track and we use something called a sling studio and it created like a local Wi-Fi network. We were basically just connected with iPhones within range. And then the next step of that was using, you know, your broader cell phone networks and then um, a software called OBS, which is open broadcast software. Mm -hmm which is something anyone can can just download and use for free. Um, but yeah, I think I did some initial testing just with like my brother from his house. I said, hey, click this link. Can you open up your cell phone and let's just play around with this and do a private YouTube stream. For me, the biggest breakthrough was figuring out how to get a drone shot into the program. Like that, I got that working just before Black Canyon 2021 and I was very excited. <laughs> oh, I mean, I got I to gotta imagine. But you got to think, too. I mean, this is live. This is live video. You now have a $600 drone with a camera on it and a, and a way to, like, that, that had to have been nerve-wracking to have, <laughs> have that drone shot on Black Canyon going, like, this could go horribly wrong. Yeah, I think it was about a week prior. I actually went out on the course for the first time to test it out. And so race day was quite a gamble. I I don't know that we actually told many people we were going to try and do it just in case it didn't work. <laughs> right. Fortunately, it did. It, it all mostly worked. <laughs> That's so amazing. And you got to wonder, like, where where does the live stream world go from here, Jamil? Like, where where are we going to see innovation in the next couple of years? 
I mean, I think just continuing to follow the advancement of technology, which seems to be accelerating at a rapid pace. So, you know, in the past year, a lot of events are using Starlink now with satellite systems and not just for live streams, just talking about the industry as a whole. I mean, it's such a game changer for all of us race directors out there where you had an aid station before that the only way you could get communications was through ham radio operators or through in-reach satellite texting devices, essentially. Yeah. And now you can have high-speed internet in the middle of nowhere, which is just so great for runner safety, for logistics, for communications. So I think, I think they're talking about a Starlink phone at some point where you don't need to be tethered to the big satellite dish that requires a generator or a big battery yeah. bank. So I think that could be huge if, if we can just have a satellite based phone that could broadcast high speed internet video feeds from literally anywhere. I think that that's what I think would be a game changer. It would be huge for the live stream industry for ultras. That's just waiting on that, on that Elon Musk Starlink cell phone, which if it's anything like the Cybertruck, it'll be here in 10 years. Right. (laughs) We might have to wait a few more for, for that piece of it but some of that technology is here today which is really exciting so if you had your way if you weren't limited by technology and the technology of today now we know that we're moving in a direction where at some point you'll you're gonna be able to do a heck of a lot more what to you would be your dream live stream opportunity for let's just say black canyon like how how do you envision that live stream happening in the future Oh, man. Um, I mean, I think it's come a long way already. I think the addition of more commentators on course, I think, is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Getting potential live audio on runners like the, the front pack. Imagine at certain points being able to just pop into that conversation between the lead men and the lead women. Like, what are they talking about right now? What what's happening up front? Um, and I think the integration of even live tracking on athletes with the video feeds. Maybe there's overlays of the runners as they're on the screen. You know, at all times, exactly what you're watching, what mile they're at, what their speed is, what does their Garmin data say? <laughs> like, there's just so many cool things that I think when the, when like the cohesion of the data and technology can come together, I think it could be really cool and a really entertaining product. Is, is drones a big part of the future? Because I can imagine if you could have drones, like let's just, let's just say the escarpment at Western States, right? If you had a fleet of drones that were able to kind of follow that route up and follow certain runners and get close enough not to bother them, is that going to be, I mean, I can imagine you could get those things. You could get what are the front runners talking about as they're going up the escarpment, well, you could get a drone close enough and you could pick it up. Is that a big part of it? I mean, we already rely a lot on drones because it does solve some of the internet connectivity problems. You can put a drone operator in a static position that has that aerial shot that if you were in that canyon that's behind, you know, a mountain that's not in that cell range, you're kind of losing signal in and out as people are weaving through canyons. Gotcha. So that, you know, they, if they can fly a mile or two with the front of the field, they can be parked on a hilltop 
with a cell phone booster on their truck to get you that crispy video that we all want. But if you were able to marry that up with say a mic, a hot microphone that's on one of the runners or, I mean, yeah, maybe there's not a guy with a boom pole running with the pack. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny, right? Um, I want to see you know. running up the escarpment with a boom mic. Yeah. <laughs> What's Jamil doing? He's carrying a boom because he wants that audio. The audio, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is so amazing that the technology is, is going to continue to get better. Like, you think about like the, the 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 early live streams right of your races of western states that's the worst it's going to be and it's been good like it hasn't been unwatchable it's been it's been great you're able to kind of see what's going on of course you watch it and you just know that as technology gets improved it's going to get way better but think about it. this is the worst it's going to be jamil it's going to only get better every single year yeah, that's exciting to think about, most definitely. Does that create a problem? Because let's be honest, Jamil, we have a sport right now that has no problems filling out races. And there's some races that have some issues, but there are, I mean, let's face it, you are not on the street corner begging people to sign up for your races the day before. They sell out rather quickly. People have to get up early, get on ultra sign up before it collapses. Is this going to, we're dealing with a boom right now. The more accessible you make the sport, the more you can have people uh, watching as the race unfolds in real time will create excitement. People that maybe have not thought of it before will stumble upon it on YouTube. Is this going to lead to the sport becoming bigger than it could possibly handle? I mean, we definitely have certain events that are oversubscribed i think there's still a lot of events out there that have plenty of room but that Mm -hmm. is the question you know are the events that are live streamed have all the media coverage are those the ones that everyone wants to do and then you know are people going to find these other events or Mm -hmm. how are they going to find them right is a question to ask like is there some sort of resource or something you know like is it does it encourage people to go look for what's available in my area and maybe they find some of these races that don't get the attention, but it's close by and they can give it a whirl. Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I mean, ultimately, those of us who want to run Western States or Hard Rock or some of these other events that do sell out. I mean, what Umstead is one I can think of on the East Coast that I think has perpetually been sold out. You have to kind of camp and wake up early. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to have to look for alternatives and I think people are are definitely finding them. There's there's just so many events. We've seen so many new events over the last five to 10 years. Oh, yeah. I love talking to the old timers when they're like, there was a time when there was 10 100 milers in the United States. And I'm like, there's 10 in a weekend right now. And that's, right. <laughs> that's the reality. Um, one of the things I talked to Andy about, and I wanted to, to kind of get your thoughts on this. I, I get it. I get it, Jamil. I understand. The big names draw viewership. It, ha- it draws listenership. I know that when I say that I'm going to have Jamil Corey on the Adventure Jogger, more people are going to tune in than someone they haven't heard before. People will always say like, hey, I love when you have the regular runners on. That's kind of my bread and butter. I, I really do believe every runner has a story. And I think it's, it's, it's my job to figure out what that story is and, and present that story to the audience. But the big names drive viewership. And in my case, drive listenership. 
There are so many stories, Jamil, and I think about some of the greatest stories of 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 ultra running in the last decade have been those stories that are in the back of the pack. We all remember um, that that absolutely incredible finish, Gunhild Swanson at, at Western States. I think it was 2015 was when she finished just with seconds to spare. I mean, it's it's one of those iconic finishes that we all remember. I mean, God, that was such a great video to watch. Is is there an, is there a plan? to maybe because you've got to fill all this time you've got to fill 30 hours of coverage in western states is there ideas to focus on the stories the developing stories that are in the back or the middle of the pack as opposed to so much focus on the front of the pack i think there's enough time that you could really showcase some stories of people that are barely making cutoffs and all of a sudden they got a rally of course. And I think that is, it's like the magic of the golden hour. Um, and in case of, of, uh, Cocodona, we call it the golden morning now because yeah. it takes all morning, but, um, and we've tried to, to include that in our coverage. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously, like you said, there is, it's tough to deny, like people want to watch the front of the pack. There are a large number of people. They want to see the golden ticket race or the f- race to the, the front and the yes. winner of Western States. And you can see it in the viewership numbers. As soon as you have your winners or your podium, the viewership does drop off. And I can't blame people. Um, But we also see a huge amount of interest in the inspiring stories from the middle, from the back of the pack. I mean, that video of Gunhild Swanson finishing Western States, it probably got more views than anything about the winners. (laughs) um, and, And more memorable than the winner probably in the last few years too. Like everyone remembers that moment. So many people saw that moment and yeah, I think the continued coverage and you know, one thing that we did or kind of been doing for Cocodona and we talk about this is how cool would it be to run every single runner in the last few blocks of the race. And we're not quite there. We, we aren't, we don't have every runner yet, but mm-hmm. it's something we kind of aspire to and imagine us, reading that person's story online as they're coming across. Mm-hmm. And we did that a little bit this year. And I think it's something that we hope to expand upon, man, there's just some, some amazing stuff, like stories of redemption, um, people's personal lives, overcoming all kinds of things. And yeah, I was starting to get choked up reading some of those stories as people were coming across the line. Well, you think about it, like, listen, the the elite runners have stories to tell. Some of them have overcome some amazing obstacles in life and are achieving some amazing things. But when you think about the folks that have a nine to five, have families, have to cram all this in at weird times, you know, they have to get up at two in the morning to get their long run in before the kids wake up and they got to go to school. Or, you know, they're, they're putting everything they have on the line because, you know, going out to, you know, Arizona is not cheap, you know, and all so much invested in it. Like there's there's just so much potential for iconic and just just unforgettable storytelling with all with the middle and the back of the pack as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just a matter of, you know, how do we select those stories? How do we share them? Where do people want to find them? Podcasts like yours. Um, there's probably lots of ways. The future. It's it's going to be anxious. It's going to be so cool. I would think, how amazing would it be to run every runner in, 
right? To have, because you could, and, and even, and here's something, I'm going to put this in your brain. This just means you're going to have like more 40 mile weeks of running back and forth <laughs> at the finish line. But people at the, people at the end of Cocodona, they're not moving at five minute miles. You know, they're, they're moving at nine, 10, you know, 12, 15 minute miles. You could almost do like on the go interviews as someone's getting closer to the finish line. There's a potential for that with technology. Yeah. And we there, we were doing a little bit of that too. I mean, as some of our, uh, filmers are running these folks in, they are able to talk to them and hear the commentators on the stream. So yeah, it's a balance though. How much do you talk to them versus having their moment? But if people are open to it, it's really cool to hear from them. Like what, yeah, what are you feeling right now? Like, what is it, what is it like in your perspective to be coming in after this 250 mile race? Mm Mm-hmm. Where do you think the sport's heading, Jamil? You've been a part of it for a while, and you've been one of those really blessed people that I think you look at your resume and you have the dream resume. You've done all the races that everybody dreams of doing. You know, you've been incredibly blessed in the sport, and you've put in the hard work to get those things. It's not like someone's just like, oh, just give Jamil a ticket. We're, you know, like you've put in the work to, to get where you have been, you know, doing Barkley, doing Hard Rock, doing Western States, launching your own race company that has turned into one of the premier racing companies uh, in, the, in the world. Um, where do you see the, ra- the, the sport headed in the next 10 years? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we're at a bit of a crossroads right now, I think, with um, I think what UTMB and Ironman is doing in the sport and then also with what your local organizers or your historical ones are doing. Um, And we still have a lot of, I mean, ultra running in the U.S. has been around a long time Mm -hmm. and the, the global, maybe the global model is newer. It's more, I think, came to rise out of the popularity popularity of utmb so it seems like a lot of the style that has exported around the world has come from chamonix and from that Mm -hmm. culture um and i think i think both are great i love you know i've raced utmb in those series of events absolutely magical event and experience um and then i've also done you know, I come a little bit like right on the edge of the old school, I like to call yeah. it. I Like I ran my first ultra in 2005, which I think was right, maybe right before or right as Dean Carnassus's book, Ultra Marathon Man mm-hmm. was being published, which I think was kind of the first, one of the first big waves of popularity, um, at least in the modern day. Yeah. Um, and then of course, Born to Run was like another surge later. But I think we have a lot of events still in the U S that are still organized by the founders of these, of the races. Yeah. Hard rock has had one race director, one run director in its existence. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And the event has changed over time. And, but some of these other ones, I think, you know, Angela's crest 100, there's probably Bighorn. There's, I, I can't name them all. There's probably a bunch on the East coast too. So I think, at some point, those events will change leadership and evolve. And so it is an interesting time. I don't know exactly where it's going, um, yeah. but I think what I would hope is that we don't forget where we came from and that we have a, a huge wide variety of, of types of events. You know, every event doesn't come 
become by UTMB or become an Aravipa race, but there's like a big variety out there for people. You bring up a good point. People look at what Ironman is doing, Ironman and UTMB. There are races now that are presented by UTMB and Ironman. Something that the community has always kind of pushed back on is the, the trail and ultra community has been this corporate takeover, right? They, they, there is a, there is a, 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 people are drawn to something they feel that is authentic, right? Something that they feel someone loved a trail, decided to put on a race, puts their heart and soul into this thing. There is, there is a, there's a drawing to that. You know, the people that have been into the, been in the sport for a while love to support those race directors and those race companies that support their community that are putting on you know long runs and trail camps and giving back to the community and you know is giving a big check to the local high school that allows them to use their finish line or to use their track for the finish line giving back to the community that they're having these races in and i know that when when people when when UTMB and Ironman announced all of a sudden we've got all these races everywhere, there was like, oh my God, we're going corporate. How do you, as someone who values community and values the things that people are looking for that are drawn to a smaller, a giving back, how do you make sure that Aravipa races don't turn into or don't become perceived as UTMB part two electric boogaloo. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's number one, continuing to invest in the local communities, giving back and doing things at a local level. Um, you know, with white mountain endurance, you know, Christina is continuing to run those events up there with, with support. Mm -hmm. And so they already do a lot of amazing things up there. Um, they have, wilderness first aid classes they help organize trail work days um they're out there in the community doing things we're talking about you know they've tried a group run in the past but you know some of those areas are a little more dispersed than say phoenix where for right. us it's easy yeah um, to just say hey come down to the local trails and there's like a million people around um but yeah they're talking about maybe bringing a group run back and we're opening up some slots on our racing team which I feel like help does give back in a way to local up and coming athletes, giving them some free race entries, some gear and some other more of a platform that they can grow their own, um, their own audience. Mm -hmm. And then I think like we touched on earlier, some of the storytelling um, I think is important to, you know, how are we involving the local community and what they're doing and, and the people that are there? Your mom is a big part of it. I've heard that she does a lot of cooking at the finish line, Jamil? She is, uh, yeah, she's our aid station director here at Aravipa. So, does your mom have like a, I'm just picturing this old recipe book that your mom is sending <laughs> to White Mountain Endurance. Like, these are the, these are the tried and true recipes that everybody really loves. Sure. I mean, another thing, like, we're, we're not trying to homogenize everything that White Mountain Endurance is doing. Yeah. So, we don't have like a, like you must do this way. Right. Um, and, and we're still figuring it out in real time as well. I mean, this, we are coming, it is all kind of coming together mid season this year. So I think you won't see a ton of changes this first year, really. Um, but once we, once we get kind of a shared season under our belts, we'll see where we go from here. Um, 
Okay. All right. Good. Good to know. Good to know. Um, I, I do think maybe sending them though, your mom's cookbook, maybe, I mean, I've heard, yeah. I've heard wonderful yeah. things about your mom's food. There's absolutely some uh, crowd favorites that we will be sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food, there are some foods out on the East Coast, especially in the South. I know that if you've run you've run Barkley a couple of years, you've spent some time in Wartburg, which is or which is it is you are in a small Southern town. Jamil, what was the biggest piece of food shock for Mister Avocado Toast? Oh my god! Rolling over to Wartburg. Well, I mean, my actual the biggest surprise is that there's an IGA in Wartburg. Mm-hmm. It's an International Grocers Association <laughs> supermarket, and growing up, my dad actually operated an IGA, so it was very nostalgic to see like Doctor IGA uh, sodas <laughs> on uh, the shelf. <laughs> Did you have one for old times' sake? I think I just took a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a moon pie when you were in Tennessee? I didn't have a moon pie. No. Did you? Did you have an RC cola at least? I'm not a huge soda guy. <sighs> Jamil, 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 Jamil. Next time, the next time you run Barkley, get in a little early. I'd like to. I'd like to take you on a a dining tour of the of the American South. We want to do it okay. in enough time so it doesn't wreck your race. So just come down a little early, and I'm gonna. I want to take care of you. Sounds good. You know, get you some get some 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 good food. Just get some good food in you so you can go back and report. Now that you have this this partnership with White Mountain Endurance, what do you want to do next? You're. I, I don't have a feeling. I have a feeling, Jamil. You're not gonna be like, ah, you know, I've done it all. This is good. I'm feel confident. We've we've grown as far as we're gonna grow. What's on your wish list? Well, I mean, a five loop finish at the Barkley is high on my list, so I probably need to take a step back <laughs> at some point. Um, no, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I think we'll see. You know, we obviously want to focus on making White Mountain Endurance the the best we can, and that you know our other events here in the Southwest are are all good to go. But you know, we're all I guess we're always open and, and looking for opportunities out there wherever they might be. Okay. All right. I think you've got some things, but you just don't want to drop any hints right now. You're like, ah, I'm not dropping any hints on a podcast, you idiots. <laughs> I'm not giving away all my You're secrets. for it, I can tell. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, how great would it be if I get the exclusive scoop on the adventure jogger that Jamil Corey's starting a race and so-and-so. It's going to be great. Aero Vipa's doing more. We've just partnered with another company. I got to ask these questions. I mean, who would yeah, I be yeah. if I didn't ask these things? Absolutely. Jamil, um, this is really cool. This is really exciting. I'm really excited to see how far this goes. I really do think, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, um, I really do think you do a great job of innovating how the sport communicates to the rest of the world. You know, through the live streaming, through social media. You seem to get social media. I just want to hand over the Adventure Jogger social media to you and say, you just grow this damn thing. Because I've been trying to I've been picking my brain for for years on it. I th- you, you seem to understand it, and you do it in an empowering, positive way. And so this is all real positive stuff, and I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity. I appreciate that. Thank you. 